Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. All right, here we go. It is time for episode 17 of Park Sportsbook Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter going to join us coming up in just a couple minutes. And uh, all presented by Park Sportsbook. Download the app on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android, and get a $500 risk-free bet. No promo required. Just deposit, and uh, you can get that risk-free bet, your first bet, up to $500. You can use it on same-game parlays. You can use it on player performances. You can use it on a spread, a prop, a parlay, uh, money line. You name it. It's all there. Player performances and live in-game betting are where it's at. So make sure you download the app. Real simple. And very easy to navigate, and anybody can do it. Even maybe Russ can do it. And uh, make sure you do it and deposit and get that five hundred dollar risk free bet. Make sure you follow Parks on all the social channels at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. You get great content there. All the stuff from Natalie and Sam and Matt and Rich Gannon, Eddie Alvarez, uh, Mike Quick. It's all there. And uh, a lot of great content and daily specials and much more. So, again, follow on at Park Sportsbook on Twitter, on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, check out all the different channels and all the different content that we're providing. We'll have a brand new episode of Ajis coming up tomorrow with myself and Harry Mays at 1.30. And another episode of Stick to Hockey Live coming up on Thursday at 1 o'clock, as always. And a lot to get into in this episode. We're kind of knocking on the door of the All-Star break. But let's bring him in right now. You read his stuff at Sportsology.com. He's at Sportsology on Twitter. But in reality, he is at Russ Cohen. And he joins Hockey Live. Russ, what's going on? You got a headset now. Now. I've been using it for a little while. I mean, sometimes I get lazy and I don't. But I want to give good quality to your to your listeners. Good quality audio. Your audio does sound better with the headset. Now, do you want to know the secret? Oh, you got a secret? Okay, yeah. So this is like a call center headset. This isn't one of those fancy ones that everybody's got that they feel like they have to go spend like 200 bucks on. I had a really good one and it broke, right? And I kept putting black tape on it. And then I was like, all right, fine. That one I spent like 90 bucks on. But as technology gets better, things get cheaper. This is 25 bucks on Amazon. Uh, You didn't get that from the McDonald's drive-thru? No. (laughs) (laughs) You look at your... Uh, can I take your order? I know. <laughs> At the drive-thru. Uh, that's, that works, though. Um, Russ, a lot to talk about. We're knocking on the door of the All-Star break. You know, I was looking at this week. My wife said to me the other day, she goes, uh, what do you got this week? And I said, all right, let me look. And I looked and I go, okay, I got Saturday, Flyers-Kings at 1 o'clock. Then I got Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I realized upon closer inspection that Wednesday was actually eight days later, not this Wednesday. It's right. the all-star break. It's I'm kind of like not on my normal calendar because the NHL calendar still isn't very normal. No, it's true. And I just went through the same thing with my wife. We just a couple hours ago went through the schedule. I was originally going to go to the all-star game. And then I saw that there were three other mega events in Las Vegas at that same time. And since we're still in COVID, I said, no can do. Hold off. Yeah. Hold off. Um, yeah, I mean, crazy that it's in Vegas. and I mean, because there's a UFC event and there's also the Pro Bowl. That's a lot of people, man. Oh, my goodness. And then in the, and there's probably, like, conventions going on and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I got so, scared away, I'll be honest. Yeah, The dishwasher repairman convention's probably happening or something like that. <laughs> yep. um, did you did you get up to New York for uh, Henrik Lundqvist's retirement night? 
I did. And that was great. It was one of those things where, you know, there are those players that I imagine not a lot of people hate Claude Giroux, except for maybe some Flyers fans. I imagine not a lot fans. of yeah, <laughs> and, Peng, and a lot of not a lot of people hate Dirk Jeter, even Met fans. And and Lundqvist is kind of like one of those guys, and they did a great job. And he's he's just so humble; it's just ridiculous. But he always was that way. And so the chants of Henrique were great to hear because you know haven't heard him in a few years. It's going to be the last time, I'm sure. And so that was that was fun to be there for that because I had been there for that a few other times in my life and. But I, I always tell a story like, and you'll appreciate this because you're a goalie. You know how like when we used to get in the locker room, we'll, we'll play Remember When. And let's say it wasn't Lundquist Day. And let's say it was, I don't know, Marty Baron or Steve Valiquette or whatever. It's probably Valiquette because if he was, he was at the Wells Fargo, he was beating the Flyers anyhow, right? Like we all know yeah. he had a great <laughs> record against the Flyers. And Lundqvist would still be there in the locker room, like next to him, fiddling with his stick, fiddling with his stuff, acting like he was invisible. Nobody would talk to him. He wouldn't, but he wasn't like a bad, like he wasn't like, you know, getting in the way. He wanted the other goalie to get his due, but he was still just sort of in there. And a lot of goalies don't do that. Most of the time, that number one goalie is never there. Uh, if, if it's the backup that, let's, let's say, started the game. You never see that guy. He's usually gone by the time we get in there. That wasn't the case always with Lundqvist. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Like, you look – like, look at him. I mean, he is, like, movie star looks. And his I brother, mean, it's the same thing. I literally, This yeah. is what I tweeted. His parents are cute, and then he, there's his brother, Joel, another model. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> – yeah, that's what I tweeted. Like he must have like either like hammer toes or bad breath. There's got to be something. There has to be him, something, right? I mean, he's like a handsome guy. He was a great NHL goaltender. And you know, one of the parts, and I know Valley tweeted this out, Steve Valaket and Kevin Weeks did as well. They both played with him, and they said, "Next stop, Hall of Fame." Yeah, yeah, that and, was an interesting one. I, I know. Yeah, I mean, look, he his numbers are awesome he didn't win a cup um and he played a long time and he had you know opportunities got to the final obviously uh back in uh, av's first year there in new york uh but is he a shoe in hall of famer because we know that the nhl does not induct a whole heck of a lot of goalies no Frankly, it's I, embarrassing when it's the most important position in the sport it is embarrassing and i had to point that out in the tweet that that is not a slam dunk it would be for me if i was voting because yeah. of what you said and also his game seven magic. I mean, he's one of the best game seven goalies of his generation, if not the best. And and so, you know, there's a problem with the Hall of Fame. They don't induct enough goalies. And so people are like, well, who's not inducted as an example? And, of course, I brought up the easy one because I keep hearing from people even now that, well, Mike Richter should be in, not, not Lundquist, because he won a cup. And yeah. it's like, yeah, except winning the cup isn't everything. You have to look at an entire body of work. And by the way, I would put Richter in too. Yeah, but, if too. I had to, but if I had to choose between the two, I've told people Lundqvist is better and they don't believe me. Not all of them, but some of them just because of the cup factor. And it's like, listen, I watched them both their entire careers. I've interviewed them both. I've seen them operate on and off the ice. I'm just telling you Lundqvist is better. And he's got an, you can look at Richter and go, well, he's got international success. So does Lundqvist. So does Lundqvist. Yeah. I mean, for team Sweden and yeah, you know, Richter it, in the, what was it, the 96 World Cup World of Hockey, Cup. I mean, yeah, he was 
unbelievable. He was. The Wells I mean, Fargo, one of their – actually, yeah. I think it was their first regular game. Yeah. And they barely got the seats in in time. Like, that was one yeah. of those crazy – but everybody knows that because, yes, that was a time where U.S. hockey was changing and could actually compete and beat Canada yeah. with all I their remember, best players. I remember going to watch an exhibition game before Richter's even in the NHL. This may be 89 or 90, I want to say. But I went to an exhibition game where Team USA, they had an Olympic trial team, and they, they were come, they were doing a tour and playing NHL teams. And they played the Flyers, and Mike Richter was the goalie at Wisconsin yeah. at the time, uh, you know, and yeah. was the Team USA goalie. And we didn't even know at that point. We're like, I he was already a draft pick and all that, but you go, okay, is he going to be a legit NHL goalie? Little yeah. we know just about four years later, he'd be winning the cup and ending the drought in New York in 94. Yeah. yeah I mean, and he was a local kid, obviously that's been told a thousand yep, Germantown million. Academy. Yeah. 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 And so, but so some people knew about him. I certainly knew about him. Did I know to that degree? No. And actually when I spoke to Richter once about his time in Wisconsin, and that really took him back for a minute because he, at that point, he hadn't probably talked about Wisconsin in like 30 years. Yeah. And, and, and he was just like, you know, he had to find his way. So it wasn't like gangbusters, Ken Dryden at Cornell took a little bit. You know, the funny thing is too, I know the guy that was his tandem partner uh, playing youth hockey in the area. Oh, wow. Uh, a guy named uh, Jumbo Ralston, Jimmy Ralston. Jumbo. And Jumbo, Jumbo, Jumbo's a big boy. Yeah. Uh, but Jumbo, I mean, he was an incredible goalie. And Richter was actually his backup <laughs> for most wow. of the time in youth growing up. Yeah, they were two good players. And then obviously Richter. I'm sure Richter was faster than Jumbo, and that's probably what did Jumbo in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jumbo could move, though, for a big boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I still see Jumbo at the rink very often now. That's nice. These days, yeah. So, um Let's talk about the the Flyers Kings game because I talked to Bill about this on Flyers Daily, Bill Meltzer, and trust, I, I'm convinced that winning the game the way they did was better than winning the game four to one or five to two because they had to they had to stare down the face of adversity multiple times in the game, including when LA gets the game tied at 19:22 with the goalie pulled yeah. after Kopitar pounds that one home, and the fact that they had to win it. With that kind of adversity, I think slays two dragons for them. Not not that they're all of a sudden going to go on some win streak and put themselves back in any conversation for the postseason. That ship has sailed. Right. But to me, winning the game the way they did, I think, was important in a lot of ways. And it was important. And you're right. They did have that point where they had to overcome adversity and then also overcome a challenge. Like, yeah. I want to know. I, I talked about this the other day. But even for someone like you, and you have post games, so you stay a little longer. But at the point where it looked like the Flyers won, you know, people are texting home fans, people like me, hey, be home in an hour. You want dinner? You pick it up. And then all of a sudden the world stopped when they're like, hold on, we have to review it. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the crowd was holding their breath, man. It was it, I felt bad for a couple seconds. It was quick. But for a couple seconds, people's hearts stopped. Yeah, because Provorov comes out from behind the goaltender, never touches them. Right through the crease, but that, that could have had, I mean, if he just bumps them a little bit yes. or impedes his ability to make the save, that it is getting overturned. Right. And that would have, but you're right. It did. It was a really good thing. There's still some bad things going on. And Cam Atkinson was right to point them out in the post game yeah. as, as, and again, <laughs> I keep saying this, he's probably won four or five games on his own. And besides Giroux, 
when would this team even be without Cam Atkinson? They'd be yep. like lower than the Sabres at this point. I, I totally agree. There's another thing I talked about, Bill. I said one of the great tragedies of this season is that because of the way this has gone, Giroux is going to get moved at the deadline. Yeah. I, I'd say that's 90. No, I think that's sure, happening. Yeah. Right. And I go, you're only going to see three quarters of a season of Cam Atkinson and Claude Giroux. You'd like to see those two play on a good team together because they, they complement each other beautifully. They do. You know, the shooter and score with the, the consummate playmaker. And, you know, I think sometimes people mistake Atkinson as a guy that, well, he's not that good because he goes through cold spells. Well, every scorer does. Yes. But he busts his ass game in, game out. Every shift. Yep. And it tells me a lot about the guy, Russ, that he's such a good penalty killer and a relentless penalty killer. And for a skilled scorer to have that element in in his game and in his toolbox tells me a lot about the character of the guy. Yeah, no question. He's a high character guy, but he also had to... I said that was a a great play by Giroux and a great goal by him, but it was an entire great shift by Atkinson because he had to go and steal the puck first before any of that could happen, Mm -hmm. and he did. And I think those are things that I think that sort of get overlooked with Atkinson. But again, yeah, like this team without him would be in trouble, like to the point where they would – maybe some fans would like that, where they would be a top-five pick team, and that's fine, but – they brought him in for the right reasons. Like he's he's done his end of the bargain. There's just so many others that aren't. Yeah, and you know, I I just when he speaks to like it, he's such a likable player. He really and is. He, not because he like likes the area and was excited to come here, but because the way he kind of calls it, like he sees it. Like, hey, no coach is going to get us out of this shit. We got to get ourselves out of this. This is on the right. players. And right. like I, it, it's not like player speak and cliches. To me, it's honest, and it's I, – I guess I guess the way to put it is it's genuine. It is genuine. And, and again, that game had a lot of hiccups. So, you, you know, after the first 20 seconds, the Flyers didn't do anything the whole rest of the first period, and there were bad ebbs and flows in there. And so he was right. He was like, yeah, this isn't cured. It was good to get the win, and you would know they needed the win. I mean, that's obvious. You didn't want to go winless for a month. But, you know, there's just still some weird things going on. Um, with that team, with the lineup, even, even Ratcliffe, I think they brought up for the wrong reasons and I liked what he did, mm-hmm. but if you're bringing him up just cause he's a big body, like Chuck said, it's the wrong reason to bring him up because yeah. Isaac Ratcliffe's supposed to be a scorer too. And so I'm not bringing up Isaac Ratcliffe to just be like bookends with Zach McEwen so they could check guys around because you're worried about losing to like the Islanders and saying that, you know, you weren't big enough in that game. Like that wasn't the reason. Is he going to be a goal scorer at the NHL level, though? He scored 50 in the OHL. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, big men take a little longer. They do. Power forwards definitely do. And sometimes they they don't produce, they don't turn out the way you want. Like Nick Ritchie is kind of like, Mm -hmm. okay, Nick Ritchie is like, you know, not didn't do anything for the Leafs so far, but, you know, had gotten some goals with Boston, like 14, 15, same with Anaheim. But he was expected to do more. He didn't. Uh, Julian Gauthier, same thing with like the Rangers, has all these abilities, never put them all together, you know? And so Ratcliffe, yeah, it was nice for him to get the call up because he wasn't having the greatest year in Lehigh, but nobody is. So, and I feel like he produced well. And But again, I want to see him get at least five games. They didn't get Lena Sandine five games. They, you know, it's like, 
and they're getting stuck on like I get it. Jerry Mayhew gives all out effort. That's great, and he's got three goals. Terrific. But he's not a part of the future. Are you really going to re-sign him though? Like this is yeah. you know. So that's where you have to look at things and say, these are your guys in your system, your building blocks. You need to bring them along right now. And you can't do it on these quick looksies either. And same with Sandine, even though he's 25, he's still new to the NHL. Like, you know, one game wasn't right. Like what could you tell in one game with like seven minutes? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the only thing, the only reason I could advocate for Mayhew being in the lineup because he's, he's working well with Morgan Frost. That's fine. So, so that's one element, you know, it's, yes. you don't have him in there because he's part of your future Mayhew, but he's working well with frost right now. And if that helps frost gain confidence and we, you know, you, you've been looking at frost and we see mm-hmm. elements and, and flashes, but we haven't seen consistency, but his game seems to be coming along a little bit now as you know, the detail plays in the defensive and neutral zone seem to be getting better. Now we're, better. I think we're starting to see, uh, his creativity from an offensive standpoint start to rear its head, which is good. Well, yeah, that always takes longer when you're now asking a guy to be defensively responsible. He's making some hits now, right? Where he wasn't, that wasn't part of his game before, but now he's stronger. So he's doing that. So the offense is always going to be last again then because he has to think for a while to do those other things, right? You don't so want to become habits, right? Yeah, they have to become habits. You don't want hockey players thinking on the ice. It's just, it needs to become habit. And then, the confidence does come in where the offense comes in. Now, look, if you put Frost with Giroux, I guarantee you, you would have points. That was yep. that was the case uh, before, but, you know, they haven't wanted to do that. So that's okay. It's going to take a little longer, but already fans are dumping on him. It's like, I get that it's a bad year. and But, you, again, there was a limit to how gr- really good Frost was going to be anyhow in the sense that he was not going to be a superstar. So don't act like he's a superstar that's not coming around like that's not living up to it that's not living up to it i mean you know you you look at lafreniere with the rangers there's things that happen that coaches do and organizations do that sometimes hold these kids back too and i'm not saying the flyers have done that with frost but i'm saying what they've done is they're trying to instill that 200 foot game and that is definitely holding them back offensively i think yeah and there also is some circumstance there obviously i mean he, he barely played for two years Yes. Because of the injury he comes in after Couturier gets hurt last year and in his second game, like a like a second shift into the second game, he's got the shoulder issue. Then he's got to have surgery and, and everything yeah. that goes with it in prime developmental years. Russ, uh, when you look at this team and, you know, going forward and they, they got to get more guys in the lineup, perhaps we see Zamula at some point for an extended period. Um I know he's not having the greatest year with the Phantoms. And as you, he's got 14 points. I mean, he's doing fine. I mean, okay. Let let me ask you this, putting Zamula in there or keeping Keith Yandel in there, who's doing next to nothing other than moving some pucks, making some passes. He has no goals. He's like a minus 24. He can't keep anybody out of the crease. You don't think you're going to get more effort out of Zamula. I'm going to tell you, you will. And look, I'm I'm good with bringing guys in to get some NHL mistakes out of the way. Right. Let let them do it in a total in a season that's lost in the standings. Like, what's Keith Yandel doing for out. you anymore? Like, he hasn't done yeah, much. He's anyhow. not going to be here next year. No. So it's like you've got to move some of these guys in. You can't get hung up and worried about this record. And and even Chuck sort of fell into it. And in, in the press conference was kind of like, well, Keith Yandel's going to be playing games here. We want guys to develop. And it's like. Okay. I mean, I get the development part, but at least get the look 
before you decide Zamula needs the development. They didn't get enough of a look yet. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe we, as we get beyond the All-Star break, we start to see those things. Maybe. And I think part of it is that, you know, you got to see what happens with Ellis. You know, a lot, a lot of fans just go, well, just shut Ellis down, make sure he's ready for next year. But I think they want to get a look at him along with Ivan Provorov. I'm sure they would. I, I just feel like he's going to be shut down, though. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be a, be a surgery at some and, point. And, just to, and get that sure. done sooner than later so he goes into the offseason yes. ahead of schedule, not chasing getting ready for next season because that can just set you back again next season. So you might as well do it sooner and I make think that decision a, soon. Yeah, and I think it's a coin flip on Couturier getting season ending, too, because he was skating the other day but really slow. Like when the press conference was going on, he was out there, and he Crawl was just – yeah. yeah. And maybe that's his last skate before he gets worked on. Like if he doesn't come around, you know, maybe that's why he was doing it. I don't know. But all I know is if they do put these guys out and they do put them on long-term injury, it does help what they could do at the deadline to help improve the future. Cause right now uh-huh. there is no future for this year. This year's, you know, essentially over as far as winning anything. So now you have to start looking at the other things and yeah, LTIR could be your best friend so you could eat some money so you can get some better players. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, you know, I, I saw somebody, I, I'm going to see if I can find this tweet, but it might have been Mikey from uh, OMB that okay. said, you know, people just like bailing on Ivan Provorov. Yeah, and it's been I a saw sh- it. It was a him. couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, you know, everybody wants to kind of, when, when things are this sideways, everybody wants to throw the, you know, the baby out with the bathwater, right? Yes. That's, I guess that's the term. And, you know, you look at Provorov and yeah, is he too partner dependent at this point? Absolutely. But he's also a guy that can play 28 minutes a night. He is a guy that if they can get the, a partner that can be in there and be healthy with him, then he is a guy that is a major asset. That's not easy to find. Not to mention Russ, he's on a contract that's not, you know, in too detrimental at all. No, they have caused certainty with him. Yeah. He is still their best conditioned athlete among all other, you know, compared to anybody else. Yeah. He's made a few more errors than he's normally made. He did have a little bit of a confidence crisis. I think a few weeks ago, I think he's kind of over that. I think it is hard. I mean, again, he's not a 25 year old. He's not. And he has had different partners. And while he is partner dependent, it is kind of rough that he hasn't been able to have one stay for a number of years. It really helped Brandon Carlo to have Chara for those years. Oh, I yeah. mean, Brandon Carlo was not ready for the NHL, but they knew, hey, with Chara there, we could do this and get away with it. And they did. Uh, you know, it kind of like in the middle there, Provorov was kind of like, you know, he didn't have that help. And I think he will overcome this. But again, he does his job. He is not supposed to be like more than a 40-point defenseman. Yeah. He's supposed to do everything else, though. Yeah, everybody's Tension. caught up in Hedman and Norris. And yeah, no, 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 no. That's not I him. Mean, that's not him. Uh, Still doesn't it, mean he's not a number one defenseman, though. Yeah. I, look, and look, when, when team success is so fleeting like it's been this year, everybody's value goes down in a fan base's eyes. Same thing's happening with Konechny. You know, Konechny's well, a guy. He, he, he's brought some of that on himself. Oh, absolutely. His inconsistency. You know, the thing about him, Russ, to me, is – and I was talking to somebody about this um, that's pretty plugged in. And, you know, the the gap from his best game and the gap from his worst game is way too big. 
Yes. Like you want his bet, you'd be fine with his best game staying where it is. But that floor has got to come up that when he's not playing well, it's not sub, you know, subterranean. Yeah. He's so I bring that floor up in his worst. I did something last game that I, I don't do a lot, but I was kind of like, you know, really looking at just what Connecty did at every moment of the ice. Right. And if you remember, maybe it was the second period. He had that puck. He looked like he was going on a net. All of a sudden, puck's jumping off his stick. He doesn't have a play. Yeah. He gets frustrated. You could tell he went to the bench frustrated. There was another play where he takes a shot. Maybe it missed the net or something. He gets frustrated. You know, it's like he's definitely more frustrated now than he's ever been. But I also watched him in the defensive zone because, like, you know, that's where my seat is. It's easy to see him. And he basically all he was doing was jumping from high to low, never touching the puck, never getting his stick on anything. And then all of a sudden when he was high, they, the puck went low and there's shots against Carter Hart there because, you know, the forward's not really playing any defense there. He's just kind of there, misguessing all the time, not checking anybody, not trying to eliminate somebody out of a play, not even trying to have an active stick, really, just kind of there. And yeah. that's a problem in his game right now. Yeah. I, you know, at both ends of the ice, you, as a ends, player, yeah. you have to, even when you don't have the puck or you're not battling for a puck, you have to make yourself a factor in the play. So offensively, you have to make yourself a movable option. Yeah. You know, that they have to, you know, be very aware of. I learned that still, in basketball. I learned yeah. that in basketball. A coach taught me that once. He's like, look, it's great to have the ball. Like, as I was like a point guard, he goes, but when you don't have it, you've got to keep cycling through. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep yeah. being an option, even if you're just going to pass it again. And, and that's the same with him, right? you got to keep moving through. you got to have your stick mm-hmm. down all the time because if someone finds your stick, maybe you'll score. Maybe you'll be able to pass it. But you're right. He's not moving well without the puck at all. Yeah. And that's a confidence thing. I mean, you start to watch the game too much when you're not, you don't have that confidence. Absolutely. Um, Let me ask you about I looked at his output for the month. Right. And if you took out that two goal game, it ain't much, man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was going to say, what did he put out? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a lot. Puts out about as much as a nun. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, you know, and it's like, I do try and watch him in games too. And I'll never see him throw the body just because, Hey, it might be a good play. Uh, Maybe he gets near the net once or twice a game. Maybe Uh, he certainly looks for those chances where there's sort of those, I don't want to say cherry picking kind of easier goals, but he does seem to hone in on those and and get, and get those chances. And then there's a lot of nothingness, right? It's all safe space. Safe space. You know, friend That's zone. Way to, yes. You, you know, you're not, you're not willing to go in there. You know, it's weird because he's not a physical player, but no, in, in the few games, few times where he does bring a physical edge, his game is way better when he does. Oh, yeah. It's not because yeah. he's an intimidating hitter or anything like that. It's because it's engagement, right? It's engagement in what's going on out there. You know, you get a little burr up your, on your saddle and you, you know, you're a little bit more engaged and you're, and then you're willing to not stay in the friend zone and in the safe space on the outside, you're going to those areas around the net, because if he's not going to the areas around the net, he's not going to give you much. Right. No, that's true. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I remember when they brought in TBR into the, uh, into the camp one year and that's Trevor Van Reems, like his brother. And I was like, I don't know. Does this guy really have anything or are they doing this to, you know, just be nice. And honestly, he's a better player than his brother. Now he's only five points difference from, from James and as a D man. 
as a D-man, and he was just an invite. Like, he was a nobody in the NHL, and Van Riemsdyk was a guy that would score at least 20-25 every year, and he had 10, and two of them, one of them is a two-goal game this month, and he's got seven assists. He's going to have an all-time low year for assists. What do you do? You buy him out? Or, I mean, you can try you and move him out. No, you can't. I, you don't want to spread back. the pain out. Yeah. You, well, but this is the problem. It's the same reason I said the Rangers shouldn't have bought Shattenkirk out. He's got to go somewhere and do something. And Shattenkirk did. So yeah. will Van Riemsdyk. And so I just got to trade him for whatever I can get, even if I have to eat half of everything that's left on his salary. And that's yeah. part of the LTIR. But don't buy him out, buy him out, and just let him go wherever he wants, and I get nothing. Don't do that. Yeah, I, I agree with you because, you know, I can't attach any kind of asset or prospect or anything no. to get rid of them. I'm no. not doing that. I'm not playing that game with only one year beyond this one. Right. Um, Russell, let me ask you, because when you look at the the draft order, if the league were, or the season were to end now, you know, Montreal's got the number one overall yep. pick or, or best odds to land the number one overall pick at 25.7 Arizona at 12.1 and geez, the NHL cannot let the number one overall pick go there in the next couple of years. Oh, I mean, playing in a, a 4,000 seat collegiate arena. I mean, what okay. a disgrace. Honestly, I don't even know if that's real. I think this is, Oh, it's last real. Cast. No, I mean, it's real as far as that arena. I don't know if yeah. it's real. Like, Bettman hasn't said anything. Is he really going to let a team play there? He barely let them play at the Coliseum, citing that it wasn't NHL quality and they had to make certain upgrades. How's he going to get a... I mean, again, who's going who's gonna to subsidize these games to make it worthwhile for anybody? Well, I mean, they, they have to... I think Freed said they have to put, like, $30 million at the right of check just to get the, the arena up to NHL spec. Because when a team comes in, they got to have workout facilities, got to have right. all these different things. And yeah. it's not about capacity in that regard. It's about having, you know, NHL players collectively bargained. Hey, when we go into a building, these are the things we have to have. It's like our rider, like a band. Yeah, but they're <laughs> going to be losing money every game. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they said, that, well, they'll jack up the, the price of the ticket. Yeah, but, but who's going to pay for it to go see it a sublet? Be... Yeah. It, it... If they do all these upgrades, somebody said it might only be 3,200 seats, something like that. Yeah, that's what, that's what Fried was saying as well. That's, I mean, like, you can't make money on that. No, not as an NHL team. It's not going to cover your payroll. No. Well, it might if they, they have, like, 15 UFAs, but that's a whole other thing. If they I, all of a sudden. Yeah. I, I think Fried said it best, though. They're going to have to sell that team back to the league, and then the league's going to put yes. it up for auction. They're not going to just move it. And then it's going to be an auction between Houston, uh, Quebec, yeah, and, and maybe some other city. But you can't do Quebec only because you're 78 cents to the U.S. dollar. Like that just seems like a losing argument. Yeah, well, I mean, they have the uh, a ready-made arena there, though. Houston they do. Kind of does. They need kind of does work, but yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think the, the other for the arena. Would be by Houston. the way, I did I did research. The other arena still has ice, where they used to play back in the old JR days. Oh that still God. has ice. Yeah, what I mean, it's just been a mess there for far too long. It's just a disaster. So, but the point of that. But you were getting back to the draft. So, yeah, I mean, they can't end up with if they didn't get Austin Matthews, the local native son, they can't get Connor Bedard in twenty twenty three. That's my point. (laughs) I get it. Seattle uh, right now, the third best uh, uh, odds to land the number one overall pick at ten point nine percent. Ten point nine percent to land number two as well. Then Ottawa, Buffalo, New Jersey, and then the Flyers. Uh, Will the Flyers improve that? 
those odds to get the number one overall pick? Or it's going to be hard to. It's going to be hard to, because the other teams are really bad too, and like Buffalo barely even has a goalie now. So yeah, as much as you Craig think the Flyers, and... <laughs> yeah, as much as you think the Flyers can fall, there is not a lot more room to fall. But just as an example, because you know somebody, I think it was Bill Matt said, "Hey, um, number eleven pick." That's a, you know, that's bad. And I'm like, listen, in this draft, number 11 picks pretty good. And he's like, what's failure? I'm like, yeah, failure is always going to be the path to better draft picks. Like you don't, most of the time, unless you made some sort of snookeroo trade, um, most of the time, a really good team's not going to pick in the top 10. So it's, it is the way it is. But like, as an example, there were guys that the Flyers could get. I Frankie Nazar from the U.S., National team, he's just a big-time playmaker. I wrote a nice article about him for EP Ringside. He's a center. He could be pretty dynamic. He's not going to be a first-liner, I think, but I think he's a second-liner, and I think there's a lot there. Um, There's defensemen all over the place, but God forbid I mention a defenseman to Flyers fans. They'll just – the head will drop. We'll be like, oh, we want – we're on offense. So I'll give a name. Who was the guy you just said, by the way? Uh, Frank Nazar. Okay. What about like um, a guy like Connor Geeky? It, it, he'll be like around that area too, he right? He will be. He will be. The only thing you worry about Geeky is not the best foot speed, but he could exist like a Tyler Toffoli, though. He could exist that way and mm-hmm. score goals. He's got great hands. He's he's got everything else, and he 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 gets from A to B. But it's just you worry a little bit about that. If Brad Lambert drops, that's the guy who could be really dynamic. But you know, his dad's a little weird. Uh, he's Lane's. Uh, Lane is his cousin, uh, but he's really fast, could play center or wing. He's not having the year everybody thought he would, but when he was mm-hmm. starting the World Juniors until it got shut off, he looked really plugged into that. So maybe yeah. he's just not ready to play above his age grade, but at his age grade, he was good. And, you know, this is the guy who people thought could have been the first overall pick years ago. And then, you know, Shane Wright took over. So he's another one. Jonathan Lekaramaki is a guy who I like at, at Jew Garden, uh, another center, another guy who could score goals, but he also can play make. Swede? I like a Swede. I like him. Well, he may not be a Swede. He may be a, a Finn playing uh, over there because the okay. name actually sounds more Finnish. I sometimes get those confused. Joachim Kamel is a guy everybody has really high. I haven't seen enough yet to put him that high. Some people have him as high as two, so they probably won't get a chance at him. Um, there's Yurov from Magnitogorsk. If they want to go Russian, a right winger. What about he, Cutter Gauthier? Yeah, Cutter Gauthier is a good one. He'll be there after that pick, too, though, I think. And mm-hmm. he's been improving. He could play center or wing. I, I do see some value at center now because he's starting to win faceoffs. He's probably got the best shot in the draft. And he has been making more plays. Like in games that I'm at, he's making some highlight plays now where you say, okay, I see him with his little bit of playmaking now too, now that he's at center instead of on the wing. So if Gauthier is where they're going to pick and that's their guy, I'm good with it. But if you're going to trade down, kind of like what they did with Caulfield to try and get two players, I'm not in favor of it. So I want to get the best player where I am. If I'm the Flyers, I don't want them to, to move anywhere. And I, I want to take a guy at the right spot. So if Nazar is there and Gauthier is there, I got to go with Nazar because of the higher end 
ability, higher end skating. Everything's great on Gauthier, but there's just a little bit more with Nazar. And so I have to go with that. I can't, because again, that has been one thing that's been with the Flyers is they've gotten guys that definitely will get to the NHL, but some of them don't explode at the NHL. And so you have to sometimes go for a little bit more. When you look at, let's look at that real quick, Caulfield and Cam York. We know that that draft and the Flyers passed on Caulfield not once, but twice. He ends up going 15th, I believe, overall in the 19 draft. Um, And you look at him and he he came in with Montreal and had some really dramatic moments, right? Mm -hmm. But all said and done so far in 39 NHL games, five goals, eight assists, 13 points. Now, I know the team stinks this year. Uh-huh. And that's part of it. But when you look, I mean, look, the question on Caulfield was real simple size. Is he going to be able to get to places to be able to use that scoring ability? We've seen him have some dramatic plays a couple of times. He's really flying the zone to do it <laughs> last season. But when you look at Caulfield now, how do you kind of evaluate that draft pick? I still say he was the guy to get because he is just improving his two-way game now. I think there was a slight loss of confidence, which can happen in a young player. Remember, when you get put in the playoffs, you're not being asked to play in your own zone. You're kind of coming in. You're running in there. You're playing all offense. He did great at that. He's got playoff points. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And he did perform well in those playoffs. And then, you know, things did start to go a little sideways simply because he wasn't pulling his own on his own end. And so I think once he starts to do that, he put on muscle. He's definitely faster than he was. I'm not worried about Caulfield at all. Sorry, I hit the wrong button there. That's okay, but I got to run. I appreciate the close-up, though. Yeah, you got to run? Yes. All right, do your thing. Thanks, Russ. At Sportsology. Thanks, everybody. Is the website. There's Russ Cohen joining us on uh, Stick to Hockey Live. Great stuff. I look at Caulfield. I'm still just not sure. The ability to score is there, and he's very good at finishing. Um, But that size is going to be a problem. And again, when you look at his numbers, he did have some playoff success, but all said and done 29 games this season, he's got one goal, seven assists and eight points minus 15. And then uh, the year prior in 2021 in 10 regular season games, four goals, five points. And in 20 playoff games, four goals, eight points and 12 or four goals, eight assists and 12 points. So perform well in those playoffs. Uh, Montreal was on that heater, but um, I'm I'm still not sure. I'm not sold. Um, but I was a guy that was av- advocating that pick uh, when they were there at that draft. So we shall see. All right. Uh, you know, Flyers will be back in action tomorrow night facing Winnipeg. Try and win two straight. When's the last time they won two straight games? I mean, they just got their first win of 2022, uh, obviously this weekend over the Kings on the last day of the month, they've never gone over a month other than February or excuse me, not February, April, but usually April in a normal NHL season is much shorter and a lot less games season usually ended anywhere between April 6th and April 9th. But the Flyers have never gone over any of the other months. So October, November, December, January, February, March, and they almost did it in this first month of 2022 didn't happen. They got the win over the Kings in overtime. Uh, they'll look to win two straight games, and they'll look to do it for the first time. I'm looking at the schedule now. They have not won two straight games since there was actually a break in between since December 18th against Ottawa, where they won in overtime, and then uh, out in Seattle on December 29th. Now, there was two postponed games in there, 
December 21st, 23rd, when the league kind of shut down a little early uh, around Christmas. But they were um, uh, have not won back-to-back games in five, six, almost six weeks. So they'll have that opportunity tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg, a weird team. You know, I look at Winnipeg and I go, Man, what's the deal with Winnipeg? Last year, it you know when they were playing in the All Canadian Division, you looked at Winnipeg and go, that's a team that could win that division. This year though, they they're out of the mix right now. Forty three points, they got a record of 18, 16, and seven. Forty three points, sitting in the sixth spot in the Central Division, and good teams ahead of them. I mean, you look, Dallas is the one team right ahead of them. But St. Louis is in uh, tied for the third spot with the Minnesota Wild, although Minnesota's played four less games than the St. Louis Blues. Minnesota be legit, 27, 10, and 3. Uh, and then Nashville and uh, the Colorado Avalanche as well, uh, leading that division, 67 points. Matter of fact, the Colorado Avalanche tied for the top spot in the entire NHL with the Florida Panthers at 67 points. Panthers played 45, but Colorado, 67 points, only played 43 games. They are just been unbelievable 22 and one at home uh this season so um all right that's going to put a wrap on this episode of park sportsbook presents stick to hockey live thanks to russ cohen for joining us at sportsology on twitter sportsology.com all his stuff is there ep ringside as well make sure you check in on all russ's material uh great draft stuff and great hockey stuff to boot and uh we appreciated him taking the time today we have another episode coming up on thursday but in the meantime you need to download the app Park Sportsbook app. Just go on your app store, type in P-A-R-X Sportsbook, find it, download it, and then open up an account. And you do not need any silly promo code. You don't need to put in Jason or Philly or fly, any code in there. Uh, you just open up an account, deposit, and your first bet is risk-free up to $500. And you can bet on player performances. You can bet on spreads. You can bet puck lines. You can bet uh, money line player performances, uh, first to score, last to score, just to score, exact score. Uh, you can play, do the same game parlays, you name it. Your first bet is risk-free up to $500. So again, just download the app, Parks Sportsbook. Do it on your iPhone or your Android, and you just have to open up an account, deposit, and that first bet risk-free up to $500. It's a great deal. And again, no hoops to jump through with the silly promo code and all that. So download the app and get in on the action, uh, do it, you know, before, you know, the big game happens in, in, in football, do it before the all-star break in hockey. You still got college hoops. You got pro hoops. You can get in on all of it, not to mention baseball around the corner. Uh, so tons to get in on F1, <laughs> which I'll be uh, wagering on and make sure you follow parks on all the different social media channels as well at park Sportsbook on Twitter. Uh, you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. There you'll get great content, daily specials, Natalie and Sam and all the different uh, contributors putting out great content. Harry and I have an episode of OGs coming up tomorrow at 1.30 that we will uh, stream out live on all those uh, platforms. And you can find our uh, content there as well. So make sure you give them a follow on at Park Sportsbook, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. If you are listening via audio, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, any of those things, make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating and review. We will greatly appreciate that. And if you or your business are looking to start a podcast, you got to go to Wildfire Podcasting. They are our partners and they're great. They got a great studio in Philadelphia, uh, just outside minutes from Philadelphia in Clementon, New Jersey. And if you're thinking of a career in sports broadcasting or you're a company, you want to get your message out there, you want to become the expert in your field. 
podcasting is a great way to do it. So go to wildfirepodcast.com or email Jim. Jim is the man, Jim Grasso. And uh, his email is jim at wfgnj.com. Jim at wfgnj.com. Tell him I sent you and your first episode will be free. First show will be fire, totally free. Uh, again, wildfirepodcast.com. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you coming up Thursday. Another brand new Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day. 